Welcome once again to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here with you this Monday afternoon and joined by Scott Sharp as per usual. Scott, how are we? Welcome. I'm very well. I've had uh, numerous texts this morning actually just oh, okay. saying what a glorious day it is out there and those texts were spot on. Very good. Better than the usual text yet. Yeah, yeah. So, but this one I could actually understand, you know, that wasn't <laughs> see you later and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, those some... emojis, are they called? Yeah, emojis, yeah. I, I don't understand them. No, I, I, our phones probably aren't quite up to the uh, technological yeah. standard that they it's need. The old bricks I've still got. Yeah. <laughs> I have got to get a dictionary for them because I don't understand any of them at all. Oh, I like the cord that still comes when I pick up the handset on mine. That's good. I yeah. think you can get them for your mobile phones. Oh, that'd be fantastic. It would be. Anyway, Scott, we can talk technology or we can talk gardening. What do you got for us today? Well, we can do both. Let's talk a little bit of gardening for a second. Uh, today, I thought we'd talk about whether you should put a bolt in a gum tree. Right. Yeah, I'm I know assuming you, that's not good. No way. You can put a, go, a bolt into a motor or a block of a motor or something like that, but uh, <laughs> maybe not into a gum tree. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about sweet peas. People are asking for those, but still not quite the time. And army grub looks like it's starting to uh, squirm its way into our lawns. Oh, no, we're good. And we've got Jill from Salamander Bay. Got some yellow leaves on your shrubs, Jill. Oh, uh, yes. D- doesn't sound good, but we might be able to help you. It's on the, they're on the hibiscus. Yes. And the diplodemia. Yeah. And salamanders. Yeah, I, I think what's happening now, you're up at Salamander. I believe there's a little bit of sand up there. And there is, yeah. Yeah, very sandy. I think it's just the dry weather. Okay. And hibiscus and dips and alamanders as well. Yep. Uh, they will all drop their leaves once it starts to get a bit dry. Uh, they're, um, you know, largely tropical plants, really. They like a bit of rain. Yeah. Um, not when you, you know, if you're watching Magnum PI, though, you don't see it <laughs> raining too much over there in Hawaii, but apparently it does. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be the reason. Uh, yeah. It's not the heat. It, well, it is the heat and, and the dryness, um, but look, certainly just go out and keep on watering them. Um, uh, it's really the only thing you can do. I wouldn't worry about fertilising uh, or anything like uh, that. Why are the diplodemias out? It's not flowering well, and the leaf gradually goes yellow in spots. I would be fertilising it as well. So what I do is... Yeah, are you using liquid fertiliser on that? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And some cow manure. Yeah, that's excellent. So use those on there. That should build it up. Uh, Diplodenias can get a scale on the back of the leaf, and that's why you might start to see some yellowing. I've got some stuff for scale. Yeah, so I'd just pull, pull one of those leaves off, turn it over... Uh, see if there's any scar, which is just like a little white insect on the back. It doesn't yeah. move. It's like a, a little, I don't know, how would you describe it? Just like a little white spot on the back of the leaf. And uh-huh. then you need to spray with a product like anti-scale or one of the scale guns. And uh, make sure you're getting misting all in underneath if that's what you've got on there. But I would just keep the water up to it, especially up in your area, Jill. All right, then. Thank you very much, okay. Scott. Not a problem. You have a nice afternoon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks very much, Jill. It is Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Now, Scott, I thought we'd get some bad news out of the way first and talk about those grubs you were mentioning a bit earlier. Oh, the lawn grubs. I, I didn't know what you were talking about then. Oh, well, bad news, grubs. <laughs> grubs, grubs. Okay, yeah, army grubs. Are army grubs good news? No, I guess not. Any army sort of storming across your front lawn is probably not good. Imagine no. a Roman army or something coming across your front lawn. North Korean army just <laughs> That's rolling on past. They'd probably just toss a couple of nukes in there before the <laughs> army actually came in. But uh, nevertheless, army grub can be almost as bad as um, Kim Jong-un Ooh. sending in his army. Is it your... ill or un? 
Or was it Daddy? Never mind. Yeah, I, I might be. I, we won't. We'll argue about it off there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Army Grubs, it seems to be starting to turn up at the moment. Uh, it's been quite. Uh, you know, we haven't had the humidity. You know, it's been quite dry, so we haven't had the Army Grub coming in. But all of a sudden, it seems to be taking off for us. Uh, a few people have been coming in saying we've got problems. Our lawns are starting to die off in patches, and the dry conditions that we've had for the last few weeks are exacerbating that uh, because the root system is getting eaten away by the grubs or the, the crickets or the black beetle, whatever yep. they might be in under there. And uh, then the root system can't cope with the heat, so you're starting to get those yellowing patches. Uh, so you do need to uh, treat that uh, to try and keep it under control. That's the best way to do that would be? Poison. Okay, poison. Yeah, poison. There's a num- yeah, poison's a good way. There's a number of different poisons, and you just uh, usually spray it on or water it into the lawn. Do it later on in the evening when the insects come back up to the- towards the surface because during the day they'll go down deep to try and uh, stay nice and cool in the heat. Uh, so, yeah, you just do do that. There's a number of different chemicals you can use. Some people use the old soapy water technique. If... That's what my dad used to use when I was a little whippersnapper. Yep, and we then, had crickets. Yep, crickets. And then you have to release a few magpies into your yard so that they come in and sort of eat them up. Okay. Uh, That's good, though, because then magpies get friendly with you and they don't swoop you. Don't they? Yeah, they rec- they recognise your face. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I just mm. thought you had to wear one of those helmets with the, the things sticking that up. But that helps as well, <laughs> yeah. I was riding home from work. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever been hit by a magpie last year, and I got swooped twice. Yeah, sort of down one street, down the next street. Yeah, it was a bit of a hit on the helmet, so lucky I had it on. Very good. Did you pedal faster? No, I just sort of went, arr, 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 like a, <laughs> a magpie and tried to use my call to send it away. Is Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM? Any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Helen from Bull's End. How can we help you, Helen? Yeah, good afternoon. Look, I have a... Um, uh... Begonia rex or rex begonia, one or the other. Yes. I've had it for about six months inside. Um, and it's, I've had, yeah, it's been going okay, but all of a sudden it's going droopy and I don't know if I'm going to lose it or not. Okay. And I'm just wondering, can I revive it or is it too late or? Oh, no, no. If it's only droopy, if it hasn't started to, you know, drop leaves and things, you still should be able well, to revive it. Yeah, one leaf's gone. One leaf I've got in my hand now is quite uh, dilapidated. Put, yeah. put it mildly, but they're all sort of, yeah, they're looking a bit sad. Okay. And I'm just worried I'm going to lose it. I've had yeah. it for about six months, but, yeah, I don't want to lose it, but I think I may. Okay, now you, you make sure it's it's being well watered and it's not sitting in a saucer of water where no, it's going it's to get all sucky? No, it's not sitting in any water at all, Scott. Um, yeah, and I gave it some nitrosol last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time I think I fertilised, but I tried not to overwater it, and I just, you know, stick my finger in when I think it's too dry and... Yeah, yeah. That, so. that that's the way to go with it. If it is inside, it might be best to get it out into uh, you know a more pro- like a, an outdoors position, but in a protected spot, like on a veranda yeah. or you know under some trees or something like that. It would probably prefer it outside. You know uh, what, Scott? I had it in a shade house originally. Yeah, yeah. That's and, and that's the perfect. Pretty, I'll bring it inside. And I yeah. think that's where I've done the damage, maybe. And that is the it perfect. Was in a shade house. Yeah, that's the perfect spot for it. So I'd okay. pro- I'd probably try and get it back out there if that's okay. where it's been happy. That's where yep. the growers grow them. They're in glass houses and shade houses, so right. I'll, I'll try and get it back out there. Just keep up your uh, watering regime. You sound like you're yep. doing the right thing, yep. and uh, hopefully it'll come good for you. Okay. And say, some, you nice, say some nice words to it as well, because it is begonia. Rex, the king of begonias. Oh, I love them. I've yeah. got all sorts of begonias, tree begonias, and they're all outside, of course, but this one, yeah, it's just it was so pretty when I bought it, and I thought, but anyway, I will put it out and try again. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Good luck with it, Helen. Bye. Thank you. We've got Jan from Raymond Terrace about herbicides and pesticides. How can we help you, Jan? 
Hello. Yes, I was, I was wondering, um, herbicides and insect, insecticides and um, whatever, they're used on fruits and vegetables and everything else. They would go into, into the, um, the product? The yep. fruit or the vegetable? Yes, look, they, they can. Uh, so most uh, products will actually have on the packaging a withholding period, which means you can't eat it for a certain time. Uh, some uh, products you actually just can't spray or use on edible plants anymore. So you have to, it will, it will always very clearly say that on any of the packaging. And it's important to make sure that uh, you treat that seriously. So if it says, do not eat this, um, you know, product, this plant within five days of spraying, you know, let it work itself out of the system. And then after five days, then you can consume that, uh, that beautiful vegetable or whatever you've been growing. So you, do, you do have to treat Sorry. it seriously. Yeah, I've never noticed it on packaging. And I was just wondering about it. Yeah, it, it definitely will be on the packaging. Uh, okay. Yeah, and it should say, you know, is suitable for use on edible plants or do not um, consume this within X number of days. And it will, it will always say it on there somewhere. Okay. And another thing I just read um, was some strawberries. They usually sterilise the ground before they put the, the seedlings or whatever in. Mm -hmm. Does that go into the, um, the strawberry itself? Uh, well, look, it depends. When, what are they actually sterilising it with? That's Oh, it didn't say. Yeah, that, so it, look, that all depends. Uh, yes, uh, you know, plants can suck up stuff from the ground. That's just the nature of them. They're sucking yeah, up water, yeah. and if that, uh, you know, gets mixed up in the water, then yes, they can do that. Uh, you know... The, the chemicals, they're, they're, they're very, very thoroughly tested and there's what, what it actually says on the label is actually the law. Okay. Uh, so they have to be very careful about what they're putting on there and that's why I always say treat it seriously and just use it as per the label. Okay then. Well, I thank you very much Excellent. for that. Thank you, Jen. Okay then. Bye-bye. We've got David from Hinton on Too Many RFM's Gardening Talkback. How can we help, David? Hi. How are you going? Good, mate. Um, Kina lilies. Yes. I, um, two questions. Can I cut them back? Yes. And that's, my, that's my answer, mate. <laughs> fairly well. <laughs> yes. And I've also got, um, the leaves are being eaten, and I think it's by a green caterpillar. Grubs. Yes. I was, I was just going to try and answer your questions just in one word sort of answers, and then we can, can just I, say, yeah, oh, well, listen, how about I say, how about I rephrase my question? Yes. My canna lilies are being eaten by green caterpillars. Yes. Can I spray them? Yes, you can. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> you certainly can. Canna lilies, they obviously love soaking up a bit of water. So uh, in the dry conditions, they're probably not doing as well as they, uh, uh, as they possibly could. But, yeah, they really love those, those boggy conditions. Uh, yes, you can cut them back. You'll find that they'll just you sort of hack them back to the ground and they just reshoot and, and come back up as a big solid mass again. Uh, yep. If there are grubs on there, you can spray them. Uh, you can use carbaryl if you want to uh, because it's not an edible plant. Uh, if you were going to spray on an edible plant for grubs, you'd use a product called Dipel, uh, which is quite safe to use. But, yes, yeah, certainly you can go out and spray and get rid of any grubs that are attacking your canna lilies. Either that or hack them off and send the grubs to the, um, to the waste disposal. That's the other way of doing it, and it's not a bad way to do it either. Yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Thank you, David. Bye-bye. Cheers. Norris, cheers, David. His gardening talk back on 2 and you are FM 103.7. Any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49 at 216 216. And we've got Gary on the line. Hey, Gary, how can we help you? Uh, Scott, good afternoon. Um, I have a lemon tree. It's about six years old. Yes. Um, and for some reason in the last oh, couple of months or so, I, I've been getting lemons with 
virtually no juice. Mm-hmm. I um, fertilise it a couple of times a year. I spray it every fortnight with uh, pest oil. Mm-hmm. That's all right, yeah. You're not doing it any harm. Uh, so it's just getting very rindy, is it? Yeah, there's just no juice in the... In, not not every lemon. Yeah. It, it might be every oh, third, second or third. Right, okay. Now, often that can just come down to the amount of water that the plant's getting because it has been so dry for the last month or so. Uh, you know, it's just not sucking up enough moisture out of the ground to stick into the lemon. And if they do dry out, I've found, you know, that uh, growing limes at work, that if it is very dry, the, the lime will be there, but it'll almost suck the, the liquid back out of the lime to use to keep the plant alive. I don't know that it does that, but that's the way I feel that, you know, it sort yep. of almost feels like that. So you just have to make sure at this time that your watering's, you know, really up up to scratch with them lots of deep watering so the plant six years old it's you know it's pretty mature now um so with that i usually just get a you know like a little bubbler sort of sprinkler one of the old-fashioned ones and just let it bubble out for you know half an hour just at a very slow trickle so that it soaks right down in and uh, deep waters the root system of the plant okay how often should i do that scott uh look when it's really dry like this and you're trying to set fruit you could do that every couple of days right yeah good Okay. Okay, so it's not just a spray in a light water. It's that, that soaking that, you know, just bubbling out slowly over half an hour down deep down into the roots. Yep, terrific. Thanks very okay, much. Okay, good luck with it, Gary. Thank you, Scott. Cheers. Bye-bye. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Marilyn from Blackalls Park. How can we help you out at Blackalls Park, Marilyn? Well, hello. Um, I've um, I had an old cra- crepe myrtle that was knocked down, and we've it's been ripped away. Mm-hmm. But um, I've got thousands and thousands of suckers that are coming up, yes. and I, I've been spraying them just with weed killer, which is killing the grass. But they just keep coming up, and I just don't know what to do to try and kill the suckers. Yeah, that that's bad. So the plant's been damaged, and it, it's just yeah. like I'm sure we all would if we were put into a position of danger or stress, we would try and reproduce. Yes, yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the, the tree was actually knocked down by a car, and, oh. and um, so it's it's gone. So it's obviously all the old roots that are, yeah. are in the ground. So unfortunately, yeah. the sort of time has passed on that. What you would normally do is if there's a stump there, you'd actually drill into that and poison it no, with tree. No, there's nothing. Yeah, nothing. so... It was pulled straight out of the ground. So. Yeah, so unfortunately, there's not much you can do except just keep on trying to spot those uh, those you know little uh, suckers that are coming up from the root yep. system uh, yep. you know even just put on a, a glove uh, you know a rubber glove and then a cotton glove and you can uh, you know dip your fingers into the poison and just wipe it uh, over there so you're not actually spraying the rest of your lawn but yeah unfortunately there's not much you can do once that happens <laughs> Just keep persevering. Yeah, the thing to, to have done, if you could have, would have been to actually drill down into any trunk or anything and got it down yeah. into the root system there. Mm. You, yeah. can't, you can't find any roots that may be, you know, along the ground perhaps? Or? No, because the whole tree was roots and all the whole the whole trunk, everything was all pulled out of the ground. Yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah. That, that's what it's doing. It's stressed. It's um, it's trying to reproduce and, um, <laughs> and that's, that's what's happening to you, unfortunately. Oh, well, okay. I'll persevere. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Marilyn. anyway. Thank okay, you. bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Norell from the Garden Suburb about Durante Hedge. It sounds like you live in the perfect place, Norell, the Garden Suburb. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. <laughs> only, well, only the Garden State, which I believe was Victoria, would even be more gardeny. Yeah. Well, perhaps I just live in the garden part of Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> How can we help? Well, I've got two, two Sheena's Gold or Durante hedges yes. and they're starting to get a bit leggy on the bottom. I just want to know how far back can you cut them and they will still re-sprout if you like. I'd, I'd like to cut them back probably about 
Oh, I don't know, maybe eight to ten inches high. Can you do that? Yes, very, very much so. Gerantas are one of those plants where you can, you know, really go to town on to on them with the the old chainsaw or whatever cutting implement right. you have in your arsenal. So you can certainly, um, you know, really give it a good old cut back. The only proviso to that is get amongst the action pretty soon because if you leave it for a few more weeks and it starts to get cold, the gerantus really starts to stop growing. Yeah. like that starts to stop growing. Greg's not even looking at my syntax or no. my, my choice of words. So once you cut it back that severe, how long would you expect before you saw any new shoots coming on it? I, I would say you'd see new shoots coming in with two to three weeks, but any substantial growth is going to be two months really. So that's why I'm saying you have to get in now because uh, yes. what are we now? March, April, March. May. So if you leave it too long, it will have just stopped growing for you. And just after you've cut it back that heavy, would you fertilise it or would you just leave it? No, you most certainly fertilise it. You can give it some cow manure. They love that. Right. And that'll really just boost it on as well. And make sure you're watering it well at the time as well. It's been a lovely hedge, but all of a sudden it's just going really thin and sparse along the bottom and you can almost see through it. Yeah, they can do that. And that's when they really require a really good old hard cutback. Right, so even if I went to, say, six inches above the ground, that wouldn't be too hard? No, no, it's not going to die on you. Don't worry about that. It's just going to look a little bit bare for you for a while. Right, okay, lovely. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, thank you, Narelle. Bye. Cheers. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. Any questions for Scott Sharp, give us a call. 49216216. Scott. Bolts in gum trees. Yes, I had a very, very good friend of mine ring up the other day. Yes. And this fellow, he should know about bolts because uh, hopefully he's going to help me fix up my beautiful French lover, my uh, Renault 16 at some point in time. Oh, okay. We're going to take the motor out and make sure all's well with it and actually get it running again. Glad you finished that sentence. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but he wanted to know, he had a staghorn and he wanted to go and actually hang it on a gum tree. Yep. And he said, oh, can I, you know, can I put a, a bolt into the side of a gum tree? And I thought to myself, yeah, why not? You know, gum trees, yeah, they lose all sorts of limbs and everything like that. Um, just make sure it's a you know, hefty bolt so the, uh, the elk or the stag doesn't fall down, but it's, it's not going to harm it overly. Worst things happen to gum trees. And we've got another David, this time from Toronto, talking about bolts and trees before. David, you got some issues with it? or Are you, you going to debunk my bolt theory, David? I think David's gone. Oh, no. He's left us. Okay. That debunks us then, doesn't no, it? It does. Maybe yeah. he didn't have anything to say. Maybe, maybe he agreed with me. That's a good point as well. Yeah. That's been a rarity of late. You, you agree with me most of the time, though. Oh, I just bet every time I agree with you. <laughs> you don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. That's but, uh, true, except for maybe your Magnum PI and your Tom Well, Selleck. I was pretty, ha- pretty happy to get that one in there today. Fair enough. Well, if you do have any questions for Scott Sharp, 49216216, and you're holding up some rosemary, Scott. This is the most fragrant rosemary that I've ever smelt. It is okay. stunning. Yeah, it's a finer leafed rosemary, uh, and for, they've called it Chef's Choice. They they really thought long and hard about the name of it. Obviously, <laughs> obviously they they might have been overwhelmed by the scent of the actual rosemary that they got on some sort of high, and they just called it whatever name came into their their head first. They would have gone. This would have been great for cooking with. Yeah, chef's so choice. Let's call it chef's choice. But it is truly the best tasting, most fragrant rosemary that I have ever come across. And I'm slowing oh, down okay. the way I'm saying this now because I really, really mean it. That's because rosemary just in general is quite fragrant. It is, but own. this one has a slightly sweet sort of fragrance to it. And oh, it is just going to be stunning on some lamb. Uh, I should have brought some along, mate. I should have even brought the leg of lamb along for you as well to oh, cook. We and then next week you could have... We could have had Sunday lunch on a Monday. Yeah, you could feed me up.
Oh, well, next time. You never bring me any. You don't bring me donuts or anything on a Monday. You got, you got a cup of water? Oh, no. And I have to pour that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Keith from, was it Wybong? Wybong. And I know Greg desperately wants to ask this question to you, Keith. Where is it? Uh, between Musselbrook and Fianniola. Oh, ah, right. A beautiful, west, a beautiful, west of, of A very beautiful part of the world up there. If, as long used as you, to be. Used so to be. I was built a coal mine near us. I was just about to say, I bet you've got a big coal mine stuck in the middle there somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, that's no good. That is no yeah. good. How can we help you, though? We can't get rid of your coal mine. <laughs> no, just that's Just fill right. it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott, um, we pulled out a couple of apple trees a couple of years ago, or quite a few years ago now, I should imagine. And uh, one was a Johnny Smith and one was a multi-grafted one. Yep. Um, and over the last couple of years, we've had suckers coming up from around the other uh, plum trees, like uh, native plum or whatever. And I was just wondering whether you think... They're coming up all around the backyard now. Uh, would they be... From the roots of the old apple trees, or would there be a would they graft the apples onto plums? No, it's it's more likely they're probably actually coming from the plum trees, Keith. Um, yeah, they, they wouldn't um, graft the apples onto a plum, so that's all that's happening. Um, over time, uh, you know, the roots can get damaged on plants, um, and that's what they'll do. They'll start to sucker like that. Uh, you know, we we're talking to a lady before about crepe myrtles. They can do that. Uh, Robinias can do that as well. Uh, and it's just because, uh, yeah, the, the roots can get damaged over time. You might have been digging around the backyard, and that's just what naturally happens. They just come up from there, and they uh, they, they try and sort of spread themselves around the yard. You know, if I put some uh, 360 chlorosulfonate on them, yep. will that go back to the main trunk and kill it, or...? Mate, it, it shouldn't do, because if you're only putting small amounts on like that, it, it, it actually shouldn't go back in through the system like that and, and have that effect. Uh, if you, you know, wholesale spraying the tree, I would say yes, but just small amounts, you know, if it's suckering up occasionally, that shouldn't have an effect. Uh, it suckers up between mowing, so... Yeah, and that could be, there could be some, you know, um, shallow roots there. You might have been hit with a mower or something oh, like yeah, that, yeah. And, and that's what's happened to it. Uh, so, look, yeah, just a, a very light... Um, spray and only occasionally I wouldn't be you know sort of wholesale doing the whole lot and just see what happens the best thing is to, to try and keep mowing it out oh yeah so yep. you think mowing would kill, keep, would eventually kill it off it doesn't kill it off it just keeps it you know hidden keeps away so yeah so you're not necessarily seeing it. and that that also happens with army grub uh, sorry not army grub with onion weed in uh, winter, uh, you know, the rest of your grass stops and the onion weed grows and all of a sudden people go, oh, I've got onion weed in the lawn. Well, it's probably been there uh, all along, but you're just mowing it out, so you're not actually seeing it. And that's effectively what you're going to try and do here. Oh, yep. yep. Okay. And I've got, I've actually, why, here's a question for all the three of us. Yep. How come when they dig big holes in the ground to dig the coal out, how come when it rains they don't just fill up with water and become a giant swimming pool? I don't know. I don't because know. they use big, massive pumps to pump it into the river and get rid of it. Ah, uh, okay. So that's not a good thing either. That's even worse. Probably not, yeah. They won't like you say that or hear <laughs> that, but that's what happens. Well, we're, we're only lay people around here, but that might be our assumption about it. <laughs> you know, anyway, yeah, thanks. They, they treat us as dummies, so they expect dumb answers. <laughs> right. Well, thank you for that, Keith. Cheers, no worries, Keith. Okay, You have a good afternoon, mate. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. We've got Sylvia from Bottles Bay. How can we help, Sylvia? Good morning. 
Uh, I hope you can help me. I'm rather devastated. I had a cyclamen uh, that I've kept in a bay window that gets the morning sun. Yes. And I've had it for about three or four years, and it's flowered profusely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came out one morning, and it's just about bleh. Oh, no. And that's just happened recently? Yes. Okay, I now. brought it inside thinking maybe with this all this heat, it suddenly got too much yes. and it just kept going and going. But the leaves suddenly started turning yellow. So the good, the good thing is if you're devastated, you've come to the right spot because Greg's always a shoulder to cry on. Exactly, exactly yeah. right. He, he, keep, he <laughs> well, keeps I it. I am. I'm so nervous because it was such tears. a beautiful spot, uh, plant and I've had it for a long time and I love it. He, keep, he keeps a box of Kleenex in his top pocket, so as you're weeping away, you can just pluck one out and wipe <laughs> it away. But what, what's happened is, is you've been doing so very well, Sylvia, to keep that plant going, the cyclamen going, because they actually are meant to die back in summer, uh, back to a, a little corm and come back again in winter. And uh, what, what's really happened to you is it hasn't liked the heat and the humidity that we've had this year, and that's, that's what's happening to it. And that's why we don't get them in to sell at the nursery until the humidity goes away because they, they're very, very susceptible to it. Even uh-huh. if we get them, you know, two weeks early in this humidity and we bring them up from Victoria up here to Newcastle, we can have quite a, a large loss. So, you know, our, our hip pocket really gets um, a, a hit then. And then I'm in here crying. I'm devastated. And I'm crying on Greg's shoulder about all the money I've lost. <laughs> so it is important that, uh, you know, cyclamen, don't go and buy your cyclamen early because uh, in the humidity here in Newcastle, it will probably just keel over and die on you. Unfortunately, that's probably what's happened to yours, Sylvia. There is a good bit of news for you, though. And that is once it starts to cool down again, you'll probably find that yours will actually come back to life. Well, and, what uh, it is, it's got a lot of flowers, buds coming up, but the leaves have all gone yellow and they've drooped. Yeah, and that's, that's, what, that's exactly what happens when it's too humid and hot for them. So don't be too alarmed because it's probably going to come back for you as it cools down again and we get into winter. And that's when they love coming up and, and growing for you. Well, what should I do with it to sort of save it? Uh, just keep on watering it as normal. Yeah. Uh, if you want to, you could actually use a fungicide and give it a light spray. Probably not, you know, the most necessary thing to do. Just try and get it into that spot where you've always had it and it's always been happy and you'll find it'll come back for you in winter. It's only going to die back to a bowl, but don't, don't, be, don't be too concerned about it. And should it. I pluck the yellow leaves off it? If, if you want to, they're not really serving any purpose. So you I might thought as well... they might take too much nourishment out of it. No, no, no. If they're yellowed like that, you, you can certainly um, pluck them away. Thank you very much for your help. And the seed corn, yes. I thought I might keep because everybody admires it and I thought I might propagate them because there's so many nice big seed pods on them. Yes, you can. But ser- they're, they're coming down too. But how do I know when they're ripe enough to plant uh, or well, take off? Usually it's, it's a seasonal thing, so you would actually they'll almost start to drop off. And it's when the flower dies back and then you'll be able to put it in uh, you know, within the next month or so, I would say. Thank you so much for your help. I appreciate it. I hope I can say that because I love it. I'm sure you can because Greg's shoulder, it's going to get far too sodden. If, if, <laughs> we if can't too, have that after, help. After buying your shirt. If there's too much <laughs> devastation. <laughs> Thanks so much. Okay, thank you, no Sylvia. Worries, Sylvia. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 and URFM. If you have any questions for Scott Sharp, give us a call, 49216216. We've got Ross from Bolton Point about pruning. Yes, uh, Scott. What do you want to prune, Ross? Uh, right, it's a plumbago hedge. Go for it, mate. Go, you just you. Pr- 
prune to your heart's content on plumbago. It's virtual weed. Right, so the lady's uh, recommendation on pruning down to six inches to get regrowth on the ground level applies equally, it's the same? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, plumbago, it sort of just almost sends down a root system all through the ground. So it's, it's one of those plants where you can cut it back very, very hard. Uh, like the Duranta hedge, though, you've got to get amongst the action really quick because, uh, you know, right. another month or so, we're going to start to see our growing season and the growth of plants start to slow down as we get into uh, autumn. Um, so if you're going to do it, yeah, definitely do it soon. It all comes back to how you know, high you want it to be as you go through winter. So if you cut it back down to six inches, you're probably not going to get it back up to you know, a metre uh, in that time. So you just have to vary it uh, as to how high you want it over winter. Thank you very much. Not Thanks, a problem. Scott. Not Thank a problem, you. Ross. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Here's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. And Scott, do you have anything else you want to throw at us before we go to our last call for the day? I thought we'd talk about caladiums. I took a caladium home. It's a sort of a tropical plant with beautiful silvery and red and green leaves. It's it's, it's got a funny name. Yeah, it's quite quite a beautiful plant. I thought they were a little bit touchy. I took the sort of the doggiest caladium home (laughs) uh, from uh, the end of last season and stuck it in a pot. Uh, I'm sure my mutts probably gave it a bit of a dig up and ate it a few times as well. But... It has turned into the most beautiful plant for me this year, and I don't look after plants particularly well. That's quite surprising. Yes, my own don't do too well. I've got other things that I prefer to do when I get home. But uh, this caladium is just an absolute stunner of a plant. Uh, If you can get one, I'd certainly put one in if you've got a nice shady spot. Um, Beautiful foliage colour and very, very easy to look after. Very good. It is Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. Might have time for one more. We've got Kate from Lambton. We're talking pruning again, gardenias and azaleas. Azaleas, yes. Everyone's getting ready to prune. (laughs) Well, that's what I want to know. Um, When is the right time to prune uh, the azaleas and gardenias? Yeah, it's it's okay to prune azaleas uh, now if you you want to, Kate. With azaleas, though, you never, never go hard on them. Definitely never go hard because they come back like all stunted and mutated. Um, They just look really, really weird. So never go hard. Only ever go very light across the top of azaleas. Uh, With gardenias, you can almost prune them year-round, but once you get into the colder months, they're just not going to grow back for you. So you're going to have a sort of an ugly plant for a while. So like all the other callers we've had uh, talking about pruning, if if you're going to sort of wield your uh, samurai sword over the top of your plants, um, now's the time time to do it. Make sure it's nice and sharp um, and you yell out banzai or something like that as you're cutting your plant. But it is time to prune now rather than leave it for another month or so because you just won't get the growth back that you want over winter and you're sort of going to look at this bare plant in the yard for a while. Well, I've, I've already got um, gardenias on you know, flowers on mm-hmm. the bush at the moment and that reminded me I haven't pruned it for a while and when should I? Yeah, well, look, the, the buggers will flower almost, almost year-round. Gardenias are really excellent plants for that. You can hedge them. You can do all sorts of stuff with them. I don't know that you can cook with them or take them out to the movies, but um, no. you can certainly you know, put them in all sorts of weird and wonderful... But if you wanted to. Well, I guess you could. Weird, but... <laughs> Someone might. You'd have to buy a ticket, I guess, as well. <laughs> but uh, you can put them in all sorts of situations in the garden, in the full sun, in the shade. You can just let them go wild. Uh, you can hedge them if you want to. A very, very versatile plant. Oft forgotten how versatile the uh, the little old gardenia, and especially the Florida as well. It's a very versatile plant. But yeah, if you're going to prune it, definitely do it. Uh, you know, within the next month or so, so that you don't have that bare looking plant uh, over winter. Okay, thank you. Okay, not a problem. Enjoy um, with the sword or whatever tool of trade you've got out there, Kate. All right, so we've got Bob now from Wanji about mango trees. 
Beautiful, Bob. How can we uh, help you with a mango? Um, Scott, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, I don't know the age of the tree. It's, um, it looks quite healthy. I'm looking at it now. Mm -hmm. The leaves are quite green, although we didn't get a crop of mangoes or very many off it this year. It's a Kensington pride. Last year I got 172 fruit. Um, so say hello to it from Greg and I if you're out there with yeah. it at the moment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's, uh, the problem is the bark is peeling from the trunk. Yes. Um, peeling up around about 60 centimetres up, up the trunk of the tree. Yep. And I'm wondering if, if there's something I can wrap it with or fill it with or, or what, can, what can I do? Yeah, that, that doesn't sound too flash that that's happening for you, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of different things. It could be a, a fungal problem. It could be borer that's in there. Uh, one of the, the things to get, though, is a product called SteriPrune. It's a, a sort of a tar-based paint. You can get it in a tin uh, or you can get it in a, in a pressure pack as well, and you can just spray it on. Okay. Um, don't use your best paintbrushes because they're going to be absolutely stuffed once right. you use okay. this uh, this tar-based paint on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you any bark that's sort of bare, you paint it there. Any other sort of cracks and things, you paint there as well to try and stop uh, any uh, insects or disease getting in there and, and doing any further damage. Okay. The other old thing I've heard about, and I love using this word, um, it's a, you mix up a poultice of, uh, you know, like copper oxychloride. Um, and if there's any fungal diseases getting in, you actually paint that, uh, that poultice over there and it sort of provides a bit of a wrap and protection. Then you can also spray with SteriPrune as well if you want to. So you're sort of covering all bases if you go off and do that. You also get to use the word poultice as well, which I think is... <laughs> right. a, and I bet not many doctors get to use that anymore. Tree no, doctors do. I think I've had a few on my posterior at so I, I think that's probably the way to go for you. Definitely get that yeah. steriprune and at least do that. But if you if you want to mix up that uh, that sort of copper-based pasty poultice and mm -hmm. um, uh, smear that over it, you can do that as well. Okay, thank you very much. Excellent. Good luck with it, yeah. Bob. No worries, Bob. Well, that's all we've got for Gardening Talk back this Monday afternoon, Scott. We seem to get through a bit. Quite a few callers, I reckon, yeah, today. Yeah, quite a few of the second half there today. So yeah. well done to everyone who's called in. Thank you. No worries. I'll catch you next week. It'll be fantastic.